That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. It's time to get smarter today again. Right, Michelle? Sure is. Uh, we have a repeat guest, one of our favorites. See a three-peat? Three-peat, a three-peat, four-peat. Three I don't know. Like but anyways, we have the lovely, the wonderful, the super intelligent, but also heart-centered Jonathan Beatty as a naturopathic doctor. He's been practicing for 17 years. And I've 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 said his whole bio in previous episodes. All you really need to know as listeners is he's just he's an all-around badass. He understands the science, but understands how to <laughs> amalgamate it with like foundational true naturopathic practices. And it's a pleasure to have you back on the show again, John. So thanks for coming in. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure chatting with you guys. And yeah, I always I always like coming back here because we just get along and you guys always have great questions and always, I don't know, I, I feel like you lead to the improve, like your show is like leading to, you know, helping our profession improve. And, you know, it's it's one of the few podcasts that I do actually regularly listen to. Like you're, you guys are on my Ooh. Spotify. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure you're Shit. one of my Spotify like follow subscriptions. Yeah. And, I, and I'm a snob. Um, so yeah, that's high praise. I'm, I'm, I'm I'll take I feel, it though. I think my heart yeah. fluttered a little bit on that one. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta stay on top of like what's going on in your profession. And like everybody's got different, um, interpretations of naturopathic medicine and what it means to them. And, you know, you can learn things like valuable things. Everyone's got different life experiences. So like I routine, I used to do a ton of preceptoring, um, like always having students, uh, and I loved it because in a way they bring different ways to think about things. And, and sometimes it's even how you need to teach something to different people then teaches you better how to teach it to your patients um, or even how to think about a problem, right? You know, like when people mm -hmm. ask you a question, that is what sparks innovation. That's what sparks progression in medicine. Right. Totally, and, totally. and that's a big part of what we'll we'll talk a bit about today, right, John? Like as a as a sort of broad uh, focus, if you will, it's like, well, you know, if, if we're only doing what we were sort of taught in naturopathic medical school or naturopathic college, um, and we're not thinking of the past and how that some of the you know the views of the past might actually be integrated with uh, you know cutting edge scientific uh, stuff that we don't know enough about, maybe let's call it some vibrational medicine and, and other stuff um, that would sort of broadly be categorized as such, then we're going to get out of touch, right? And so um, what, I'd, what I'd love for you to do as best as you can, help us, help us get in touch with some of the foundational aspects of naturopathic medicine, which includes maybe the future and the past. 
Yeah, well, no, and and it's funny because I know we were chatting about this uh, before you guys hit record, but um, I was kind of joking that like if you practice medicine the way you were trained in med school, and and I don't care if you're a medical doctor, naturopath, chiropractor, you're, you're probably pretty out of date because it takes them so long to update curriculums. It takes a lot of time for new understanding um, in medicine and like new research to actually be integrated into the teaching process, and it's it's just an unfortunate kind of like aspect to how curriculums get developed, how licensing takes place, how regulation of a profession takes place, but it kind of ends up always being a little bit antiquated. Like I remember when I was in school um, and and you still see this stuff where uh, medical dogma takes about 50 years to change. And, you know, by that, I think it was 1977 was the first study where they showed that uh, giving antibiotic to a child with an ear infection um, increased the severity of the infection and the likelihood they were going to get a recurrent infection. And pretty much like every decade, you can see this research repeated. And still to this day in practice, I get, because I, I do a lot of pediatrics, I see these patients showing up, oh, they got an ear infection. They were on this antibiotic. I'm like, oh, like we're seriously still there. Like we, you're supposed to wait three days before you prescribe an antibiotic in those cases. Um, and, you know, I guess that's not really naturopathic medicine, but it's just a, a good example of where that dogma doesn't get repaired. And, and you know, it's like that, that old algorithmic approach to medicine, um, it, it works for some, but not for all. And really what I think the key to naturopathy is, in, and really functional medicine is individualizing the medicine. And I feel like even functional medicine's kind of been co-opted into, you're just like a doctor who throws supplements at people. Like, oh, you know, everybody needs magnesium. You know, oh, you got a GI problem. We're going to hit you with probiotic digestive enzyme, L-glutamine. Like, here's the formula for all digestive concerns without understanding why that person has a digestive concern, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so I find that, yeah, if you're, if you're practicing the way you're trained in school, like school, the real key is safety. Like all your licensing exams, all your, you know, your boards, all of that. It's, it's learning the basics of like how not to hurt somebody, but it doesn't necessarily make you good at being a doctor. Hmm. Um, like I even joke, I used to joke all the time with preceptors that, you know, the first two years of med school are the most important because that's when you learn the most about how the body works. And then they try to teach you to forget all of that stuff as you learn how to treat things like type two diabetes. You know what? It's, it's not a metformin deficiency, nor is it, and, and rarely is it a chromium deficiency. Right, like throwing 200 micrograms of chromium, yeah, sure. If somebody's deficient, that may help a little bit with their um, insulin reception. You also probably need vanadium for the GLUT4 transporters because, sure, you can get insulin signaling, but if you can't get the glucose transporters to the cell membrane, the cell can't uptake the sugar anyway. Um, but you also need to understand that that's a lifestyle condition, right? You eat a garbage diet and you don't move. Well, you're teaching your body insulin insensitivity. If you have a lot of inflammation in your system, you know, you're going to have that um, insulin insensitivity. And that's, and, and so it's like all those factors is what type 2 diabetes is. It's not a supplement deficiency. It's not a medication deficiency. Um, it's, it's a lack of movement. It's poor quality food. And poor sleep. You, you know, hate that, your job. You hate your life. You hate your wife. There's a whole bunch of like, like, but you know what we're getting at here, John? I'll sum it up like, Basically, it's really hard to do good. It's th this kind of medicine, I think, is quite difficult 
to do well. And we even remember we had um, Michelle, you remember we had Dr. Paul Anderson on and he said yeah. it is very and he's like he's like genius guy. You know, he said it's very hard to be minimally competent. Yeah. You know, like well, and, and and that's the truth. So that's why it is nice to have you on because because, uh, you know, you're you're brave enough to try and do it uh, quite thoroughly. And and I know you efficiency, you try for efficiency, too, because we we still have to try and be efficient because that other kind of medicine is quite efficient. But let's say it doesn't mean it's effective in terms of like, um, does it get to the root or, and does it get to the depth? But you can give yeah. something to someone quick with some rationalization of a minimal framework that works well it's, it's effective Ish. it's effective because it sells but it's not efficacious um <laughs> right which is that it mm -hmm. works um but like but yeah no you're you're spot on and i mean it's like humans were never designed to be sedentary cave dwellers you know like that's that's kind of the, the one of the phrases i give to patients all the time when they're like looking at me going well what do i need to do I'm like you you need to change some lifestyle factors here like I, I'm, you know, and they look at me and they're like, that's tough. And my answer is yes. Yeah. Like that's it. That's my, yeah. Yes, it is. It like is. You, but you're, you have a choice. And like, I, you know, I, that I like these on both sides, John, the difficulties. I think that difficulty is for the patient for sure. What I think it's very difficult, uh, for, for, uh, any kind of, uh, uh, doctor of whatever to, to, to do this stuff well, because it's other you, you're going to be learning. I'm, I, I think you'll be learning until you're done. At least well, that's I the way so. I. Oh, yeah. If you're not, you're like, if you think you've learned it all, I mean, I've been done. doing this 17 years. And I think what I've learned is how little I know. Yeah. Um, Dave, but it's hard, Dave, right? Dave and I always say that the more we learn, the more we realize we don't know. Like, it's just. Well, and, and this is, I mean, this is the trouble I have. Like, I mean, I've, I've had multiple, I always call them medical midlife crises um, as I've progressed mm -hmm. through my practice. And it's entirely because as you learn more and more about the function of the human body, you know, you, we have to get our hubris out of the way that, oh, we're, we're the authority, we're doctors. Like, we don't know anything about how the human body works. Um, you know, and, and I know a lot more than most people, but I also yeah. have the trouble in knowing that like I say, medicine often mistakes understanding the, because we understand the how something's happening, that we think we understand the why something's happening. And we don't. And so this is where, like a lot of mine is getting patients into, getting them into their state of discomfort. And I would say a lot of what you end up doing in practice, like the toughest part is learning how to be a very good coach. Um, and, and getting your patients, like learning how to motivate people to get better. Now, if you do oncology, generally you're going to have a pretty easy time because people mm -hmm. are looking death in the face. If you do a lot of cardiovascular disease where you've had people that have had heart attacks, I love working with those patients. You can ask them to do anything, they do it. Mm -hmm. The trouble is when you get the people that are like, quote unquote, not sick enough. Um, and, you know, they, they, we, we get into habits. We've got a lot of sort of trained beliefs and a lot of it is is shattering our patients beliefs about themselves and what they can be and what health can look like for them and what their life can be and then teaching them how to basically block out the naysayers because i also find friends and family uh will like if, if they see if they don't have the willpower to do something it's easier for them to short circuit their friend like your friends and families to try to short circuit you than it is for them to accept like oh you have the willpower to do something and the people around you, if they don't have it, what they're going to try and do often is try to short circuit you because 
they're going to try to bring you down so that they don't feel guilty about not being able to do it themselves. Exactly. So you get in, yeah, you get into a lot of psychological work with people. You end up doing a lot of counseling and a lot of coaching. Um, and so it's, I, I find like the toughest thing in medicine is learning how to learn your patients and learning how to figure out how to motivate them. Because I mean, I think you had Dr. Yash on and he's like, everybody knows it's better to eat kale than candy. Although I'd argue with that one sometimes a little bit on, on, you know, when kale can actually be a huge problem and when candy, as much as I don't promote it, would probably be easier on certain systems. Um, <laughs> but that, that aside, it's, it's like, it's that mental coaching side of things that's, that's yeah. really yeah. problematic and, and undoing a lot of past held beliefs that we had in the medical community that really aren't founded in science. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know if you got like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the pro salt generation now, I love salt, which is, I love, love salt. Like take, stupid amounts of salt myself um, salt in the morning salt in all my water pinch 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 all over the place baby <laughs> like <laughs> salt in my coffee like it's which yes. also really <laughs> nice at, uh, right salt in my water salt the in my coffee water. it's very good <laughs> right it, it enhances the sweetness um but for instance like i don't know how many of you guys deal with like cardiovascular disease how much you see afib like atrial fibrillation um I don't know why I see a ton of it. I think it's it's very popular or very com- popular, <laughs> not popular, common in the world of distance running and um, marathoners. Hmm. Um, but it's, and again, you also see it in a lot of older people because what we're witnessing is the anti-salt generation. Everything's, I mean, you can still go in the grocery stores and see low sodium, low sodium, low sodium. Well, did you know that low sodium or, hypo- or hyponatremia is associated actually with worse outcomes in congestive heart failure, worse outcomes in atrial fibrillation, and you're actually about two and a half times as likely to have AFib if you're hyponatremic than if your sodium levels are normal. Same thing, hypokalemia. You're, I think it's one and a half times more likely to have atrial fibrillation. And if you've had a heart attack and you have low uh, potassium, you're four times more likely to have atrial fibrillation. People are still very hung up on that low salt. I'll get older generation coming. Well, like, well, low salt this because my husband had a heart attack. So we're eating low salt now. It's like, you don't have to actually fear salt, but it's like in one out in one ear and out the other with that generation. It's so tough, but it was the salt fix he yeah. wrote. And he was like, there are no studies to corroborate that it actually causes hypertension. Like, oh, no. I've had multiple fights with with multiple patients on this, and it's I think there's less than five percent of the population has a genetic thing that where they're sensitive to sodium. Yeah. But again, it usually comes when when you parcel it well with potassium, that usually goes away. Uh, but I've seen multiple cases where you know literally patients have had heart attacks or have had you know chronic AFib patients. Their cardiologists are still telling them low sodium diet, low sodium diet, and then they come and see me, and I'm like. Well, how's that working for you? And they're like, ah, I still have AFib even on the medications. We start throwing salt at them and all of a sudden you just see the AFib just, you know, start to decrease in frequency and severity until it goes away. And I'm going like, and they're going, really? Like, that's it? And like, yeah, you can get off your meds now because you've, you've replaced the salt in your body. I mean, I feel like that goes, that that falls hand in hand with like, sorry, even like the whole thing of eating grains for breakfast and avoiding animal fats and avoiding egg yolks. If you still have cholesterol because of fear, like it, it's all that outdated 
ideas right. so, of nutrition but i will be actually i will be uh, very true. devil's devil's advocate here and say <clears throat> you know if, if your idea of a low salt diet is now you're eating less like shitty processed frozen foods that are just high in sodium you know specifically right. yes. that that's that's different and you can you can almost understand some of that but that's not like sodium chloride with you know other trace minerals that would be like a healthy form of salt that you know animals will climb 80 degree inclines to lick that stuff you know Seriously. it's clearly important yeah yeah my my rule in my office is you take your table salt and you put it with your cleaning products and then you go get and this is one where i, I do try to say actually the himalayan um salt uh and unfortunately just because we've poisoned our oceans a little too much and as I, in the yeah in the realm of trying to reduce our plastic intake and pfoas Mm. Um, the, the Himalayan salt is lower in those, which is why I recommend that one. What about, because I've heard also Redmond's real salt has less impurities than even Himalayan salts versus Celtic sea salt. So I usually make that my gold star for most people because it comes from a, a cleaner water bed, salt water bed in Utah or something rather than mined somewhere in the Himalayas with heavy metals and all that stuff. Although I don't think we're ever going to get anything hundred percent pure. This world has no. been contaminated. So we have to also yeah. be realistic. <laughs> Well, and that's it. And yeah, so if you know a salt that's like been tested and shown to be lower, um, that's a great one. It's, I also used to use a lot of uh, La Peludier, uh Celtic sea salt. Mm. And again, it's the stuff that looks like, you know, the salt you throw on your driveway. Um, but a lot of it was because of the high levels of all the trace minerals in it. Mm. Um, and, you know, and on that topic, it's like those weird things like germanium. Right. We don't know what it does in the human body, but we know that if you're born with a genetic uh, inability to uptake germanium, you'll last about two days on Earth. Like, right. Like, it's one of those crazy things where you're like, wait, we have no idea really what germanium does. But if you have this inborn error of metabolism and you can't use germanium, you die within 48 hours of birth. Mm. And it's like, oh, like that's, you know, just as, as we talk about our scientific hubris about what we know. Um, and I'm hoping somebody out there hears this and like messages me and is like, germanium actually does this because I would love to learn. And it's been a while since I've looked it up. But yeah, it's uh, it's one of those like wild ones. And then even on the like, you know, the topic of intoxication in our world, same idea. Um, it's trying to get sometimes it's simple changes like, hey, do you have nonstick pans at home? Everyone's like, yeah, I do. Okay, throw those out. They're like, what? And like throw them out. Like don't even give them to goodwill because I feel like you know, just harming another human. There's no goodwill <laughs> in giving that. Yeah. You're right. Like, there's no goodwill in giving that, like giving that away to a, uh, to somebody is like, like mm -hmm. you're just, po you're poisoning your neighbor at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and people always look at me a little and think you're really that intense. Um, but when you look at PFOA, I don't know how much you guys see thyroid conditions um, yeah. and um, mainly subclinical thyroid. So this is a patient where you're going to see normal labs, but they have every single symptom. Mm. And what, what the one thing we do not measure, thyroid receptors, thyroid hormone receptors, right? THRs. Do you have a test for that? No, we don't. So I don't really care what your T3 levels are, your T4 levels are. Uh, do you know what the mechanism of action is for PFOA and thyroid disruption? Do tell. It decreases your, yeah, it decreases your mRNA of uh, TSH receptors and, um, and thyroid receptors. Your body can't listen anymore. Yeah. And so everything is receptor dependent. Like for those who are, don't don't know that, I think that's a real, I remember learning that in university. That's a long time ago. But every, the, the impact of, of things on the body is receptor dependent. And that's, 
that just shows how important it is if the receptors are are mangled. Crazy. Right. Counting light bulbs means nothing if you have no lights to plug them into. Yeah. Right. Like your your room's going to be just as dark, but every time we measure, like, oh, I don't know, he's got a box of like a hundred light bulbs. It can't be that. Mm -hmm. Does do they have do they have a light? Well, we don't have a way to measure that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't know. And then you look at you know. So this is, and we don't really have a real great way of testing PFOA toxicity. Um, but it actually creates a genetic change. So even if the mm. PFOA comes in, creates this genetic change in your system, how messed up is that? And then leaves. And so like, so it doesn't really matter what your PFOA levels are at the time. You've now created this thyroid imbalance that you're not necessarily going to see You know, your clinical classical hypothyroidism. But weirdly, you may see a patient that benefits from thyroid hormone. Mm. Like I have mm -hmm. one every time we test her blood because she's in her 80s um, and how I got onto this topic was she was a, a cardiac patient that came to see me. She was on five different meds um, but she had every thyroid symptom but her tests were normal. Anyway, took a chance, got her consent, we prescribed her some thyroid hormone and lo and behold, we were able to get her off all five cardiac medications and all of her cardiac right. symptoms went to normal to the amazing. point her cardiologist came in the room and said, Yes, amazing. We finally got your drugs figured out. At which point she said, actually, I don't take them anymore. I'm taking thyroid. And it's, you know, one of those areas where we often overlook like the mechanism of the disease. And like functional medicine isn't about finding your your um sort of symptom algorithm, your supplement algorithm, which is what I find everyone's like everyone's trying to automate their practices which I'm not opposed to entirely, but you, you still have to individualize what you deliver to your patient and understand mm -hmm. like, you know, that hypo, like hypothyroidism, for instance, has multiple causes. Atrial fibrillation. Is it hyponatremia? Is it hypokalemia? Is it hypothyroidism? Like what, what, what is the cause of that symptom? But the trouble is, is we treat these signs and symptoms as diagnoses. Mm. But this is where I was saying it's hard. Like you're you're talking about a kind of paradox where you you do have to treat the individual, but at the same time, there's like this is this is going through my head a lot as practice evolves too. There's a bunch of like foundational, like that's part of what we're talking about today. Foundational things that probably everyone should do, including maybe we should get rid of our uh, you know our non-stick pants. Um, I I wanted to bring up something that. Uh, Probably about 10 years ago, I heard more about it and then, then I'm reading about it now, like grounding. Like, should I, should I, you know, make sure that I'm not being exposed to the magnetic field of the electrical outlets changing my voltage, which you can actually measure with a, with a multimeter. Um, Geopathic stresses, grr. Yeah. That, I mean, and, some of those stuff are hard. Maybe that's harder to fix, but I mean, and then, then you bring that in. Like, what, what are the things you can actually do something about? Like, I'm, I was going to make my own grounding sheet because I'm like, well, if my sleep is okay, but I could make it better by, you know, improving the, my exposure to dirty electricity and grounding myself, literally plugging my blanket into the outlet or outside, then why wouldn't outside. I do that? You know, yeah. that's not individualized maybe, yeah. but it's, it's, it's something that we could do. And that, that's where I struggle, John, sometimes is these like those foundational things that we could all do, which we still have to individualize, I guess, because you can't do them all. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, but it, I mean, you, you, you are spot on though. It's like, we should teach the fundamentals of healthy living to keep patients out of our offices. Like that's, that's my whole joke with all my patients is I don't want to see you. You keep coming back. I'm not doing my job and you're spot on, like on the topic of grounding. I mean, what makes you work? 
electrochemical gradients, right? Like we're basically big balls of electricity. We'll get into light in a section in a second here. Um, and, you know, as we build up, like electricity creates fields and electricity creates gradients. Um, it's, it's how every cell in your body works. Like if your cell cannot hold an electrochemical gradient um, and yeah. generate electricity and not just nerves, but every cell, they die. Like that's the fundamental yeah. aspect of life. And so, um, it, you know, if you go uh, tubing in the summer and you're out on a boat, what's the best way to knock the kids off the tube? You go in a couple circles because you get wave interference. And so there's, there's additive interference. You get that nice peak if two waves hit, and then you get that like sort of double, that double wake, and then you get a double trough next to it. That's well, the same kind of thing that happens with electromagnetic radiation. And the sad part is, is we don't know enough, nor here, I think part of the trouble is we don't have the capacity to measure these electrical fields at the single cellular level. Hmm. So we don't fully actually understand how they work in the body entirely. Like we have ideas through understanding electronics theory and like electricity, uh, I guess quantum biology is the term people are using now. So we can theorize how they work, but it's the same idea. Yeah. If you've got dirty electricity, which is a huge problem and you've got EMFs and we can touch on 5G even, um, you know, when you have these electromagnetic frequencies, you are creating wave interference at some level in the body. And so, and, and how do you get rid of that in your home? You ground it. Every house is grounded. Everything you do, any high voltage um, uh, uh, appliance in your house has grounding. You, everything you do, you, you want to put a GFI on it, right? So that it, it if What's the that? electricity, um, they're the interrupters. Like, you know, in your electrical socket, there's like the button to reset the outlet. Mm -hmm, that's, mm -hmm. that's a G, uh, GFI. I can't remember the exact, uh, what it exactly stands for. Um, but basically if there's an interruption in the electricity or there's going to be a surge or something that might damage it, it shuts itself off. Mm -hmm. And so we, we protect our electronics, but we don't protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this is an area where like, I'm, I'm big. I've every morning I go for a barefoot walk, um, outside. Cool. I, yeah, I don't care how cold it is. Um, the really cold mornings like today was, it's rough. Um, but as part of a practice of grounding, uh, you can hold a voltmeter in your hand. You can plug it into the ground, put on rubber shoes, and watch the very you know the insane lack of voltage that's being created because you're you're not connecting electronically with the earth. And then as soon as you take those shoes off, you stand barefoot on the ground. You'll ramp up to say sixty volts or something like that. There was and something. So, was it? It was our colleague Tara Guzzo sent me something like a year or two back, and it was a video, and it talks about how this guy started saying chronic diseases of modern day really started to just like escalate when we started putting rubber on the bottoms of our shoes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's well known. And, uh, peripheral neuropathies, if you want grounding, grounding mats in peripheral neuropathies, almost regardless of cause wondrous treatment. Um, and the other one is, uh, with lights, you get into this, you know, all the rage right now is infrared lights mm -hmm. and red light, red light therapy. And it's all along the same lines. And this even gets into um, on the quantum biology side of things. The fact that basically humans are, we're large LEDs. We produce our own ultraviolet and infrared light. This is how mosquitoes find us. It's like a weird thing we never talk about. 
Um, except, you know, when you watch old war movies and they're like, they've got the infrared camera and, you know, you can see all the little bad guys running around in the dark. Why? Because <laughs> they're producing light. Yes. Like those things don't work if we're not producing these spectra of light. And we don't think about it because it's outside of our visual, um, our, our visual spectrum. But we actually have photoreceptors inside our body for this. And there's good evidence that we actually have an entire system of, um, uh, 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 oh my gosh, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? Fiber optics. So we kind of have like a like the same as because there's certain phenomena in the human body that exist faster than electricity, and we can't really explain it until you start to learn uh, light transmission. And light can be transmitted in the body faster than anything, and we basically have a system of fiber optics. And this would get into start looking into what fascia actually might be. And it may, there's some people that are theorizing that fascia is actually acting as a fiber optic network within our system, which is why it would also be continuous through all organs, all nerves, like all tissues of the body have this interwoven fascia that connects us. Again, the trouble is we don't have the tools, like we, we, we don't actually weirdly have the tools needed at this point in technology to measure these things. There like is we don't a... Have a it's interesting you talk about fascia and and perhaps like some of these subtle forces like i i do feel uh a pull like there's a there's a magnetic kind of pull that you can feel if you do some like uh, osteopathic training or whatever you can actually just feel there is a force there and I'm, no one's if everyone feels the same damn thing we're not making this shit up you know so there is, yeah there are some subtle forces that um that you can you can actually palpate it's like but how do you explain it? And I think that was part of what I wanted you to talk about too, is just say, look, some of this stuff's hard to like um, explain or, or what we don't, we have like really rudimentary understandings or whatever, but we still need to go there bravely or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's, my, my whole. Sorry. I think that's one of the hardest things when it comes to patients too, is there's such an indoctrination of how the existence of this world and it's, we like things to be simple. So if you can see it, you mm -hmm. can touch it, you can feel it, you can smell it, you can use your five senses and it's real, right? Um, and we take for granted, and I have to explain this to people all the time, you know, it's like, I explain it from a Newtonian physics perspective. And I was like, fine, like you want water, water is liquid at a certain vibration. But if you warm up the molecules and they have a faster vibration turns into gas and because it, because you can change the frequency of how those molecules vibrate. It's like, we are no different. We're electrical, we're vibrational, we're this. And I was like, nothing is solid matter. It's the illusion of solid matter. And then people are like, I don't understand how to conceptualize that, but it literally is the truth. Like it's just, but it's, but it's hard for people to wrap their heads. Even for me, sometimes I hear these things. And I'm like, this sounds really cool, but I don't actually know how to put it into practice, or I don't know how to make it tangible. I don't know how to implement it into creating certain types of change from a practical level too. Like, it sounds phenomenal, but you're kind of like, what do I do with this information now? <laughs> right. And, and with it, that's like, it's, it's in a way it almost makes it freeing in the sense of you can get really down to basics of like, we know the importance of water. So is your patient properly hydrated? Like a number one, you know, if they're not hydrated, don't expect healing to occur properly because the system cannot, like it, it, it's providing the fundamentals for what the system needs to regulate itself. And just kind of in a way, having faith that the body will heal itself. Think of how a broken bone heals. What's the doctor's role set bone. 
yeah. hold in place. Do not, you don't do anything else. Right. And that's that weird idea that like, here's this like massive trauma that occurs to the human body. And if we basically line it up and stay out of its way, it's going to put itself back together properly. It's going to reline all the trabeculae. It's going to make sure that, you know, all the arteries, veins, nerves line up. The marrow can flow again. Like it's going to completely rebuild itself. And again, this gets into that crazy idea of it. It forms the callus. And then, but this gets into how do we, how does it know how to regulate that? How does it know not to build the callus too big? Forms the callus around the bone then the bone heals. And after the bone's healed, it reabsorbs the callus. Also, how does it know not to over reabsorb the callus? Like this gets into that, like what, what's the grand regulator of this? You know, and this is where all of a sudden stuff like chi makes sense. Where it's mm-hmm. like, what is that? It's that fundamental underlying force of the body. Um, and, you know, and, and it's also almost like, again, the more you know, the more you just suddenly realize like, oh, like all of these ancient ideas about how the body works, you know, you can kind of indirectly measure them with modern science in a way because we can see these these areas that we don't understand like if you ask even the best orthopedic surgeon in the world and you turn into your two-year-old self and i would say but why but why but why and what you get to is the end of science over and over and over again where we don't understand why why did the callus stop at that level and they're like well this protein stopped transcribing okay why don't know yeah. Why did the callus only get resorbed to this point? How did the body know? We don't know. This is that weird part of, you know, um, this is where you start to really get into the the energetics of medicine, mm-hmm. um, which admittedly, like I, I was hyper skeptical about when I started. I was, you know, I came out of university, bio guy, uh, nutritional biochemistry background. Like I was pissed that we were going to have to learn homeopathy. Like I did not, I was very resistant. I wanted nothing to do with homeopathy. And actually, the guy that changed me was uh, Dr. David Lescheid. Um, mm-hmm. He's a naturopath. He's, I think he's uh, over, he works with Heal over in Germany now. Does Had he? His PH, yeah, PhD in microbiology. Um, I think he's the medical director for Heal now. And, but uh, I went to Preceptor with him one day and walked into this guy's office. I had a lot of respect for him. He taught us physiology at the time. And this guy treated almost exclusively with homeopathy. And I went, I was like, dude, how do you <laughs> resolve being like Mr. Science and then you turn around and you use all this like hokey, woo-woo, like guess a remedy kind of garbage? This is was my approach at the time. Please tell me past on send me hate mail. I'm, I'm getting to my point as to why I've completely reversed on this. They're and too busy sh- answering hate mail to send any. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he showed me, uh, so he, he showed me um, some dark field spectroscopy where it was basically like water molecules showing, and again, back to yours, how the hydrogen was being shared, how, how the hydrogen was sharing electrons with the oxygen. And you're basically taking pictures of where the atoms weren't. And all the different remedies, although you're just taking pictures of H2O over and over and over again, all the various different remedies had a different sharing pattern. Hmm. And that blew my mind. I was like, really? Like there's, there's actual science behind this. And he was like, hmm. yeah. And when you think of, the human body is basically being a giant bag of water and water being the substrate by which our entire system works. All of a sudden that makes a ton of sense. And then if you get into the work of Gerald Pollock and the exclusionary zones and the whole idea that water actually exists more as um, H3O2 negative 
um, with hydrogen and you create these, you know, lattice works, the, the liquid crystal lattice works that then again create the electrochemical gradients. Now, all of a sudden, the way in which water molecules share electrons dramatically might influence the shape and contour of your exclusionary zones, thus dictating how electrons are shared in your body, how electrochemical gradients are created across the cell membranes, and homeopathy suddenly makes a ton of scientific sense. And yeah, that I would also... I would also say even we brought this up in the pre-talk, the work of Veda Austin, who does work with water and how there's these really cool imprints of water. She can put a picture, an image over it. And when you freeze it, it almost mimics the image. If you say a word over it, it like mimics it. And it's wild how it holds this energetic imprint in there. And then it crystallizes well, in that in ice form. And it's, and she's like, and I do this over and over again to validate one particular type of image in the ice and she's like and it's repetitively you know you can you can you can replicate it several times yeah. and, yeah. It's, and it's water is thing. life water is the coolest and you're thing. spot on water is life yeah and isn't gerald pollock said stuff like too he was like it's still one of the most difficult things to study like there's there's we still don't fully get it like it's still it's one of the, it's, it's in everything. It is life. And we still don't fully understand how water operates the way it does. It's wild. Yes. It's, and even the, um, Dr. Emoto was, was the other yes. character in the, again, like how you think when you drink water, uh, dictating the crystallization of the water as to whether it's symmetrical or not. And people have tried to debunk them and replicated his research. And again, that made people like me who are like the hard science background, very, very uncomfortable, but being a true skeptic, my, my whole brain is like, I've got to be open to allowing new ideas in. Um, and I think that's the most important thing in medicine is skepticism, which mm -hmm. is it, it's, it's not that you don't hold beliefs. It's just that you don't hold your beliefs as fact or dogma and that you can, you know, when presented evidence change on the fly. And I think that's the number one thing that's helped me as a practitioner is because you can accept that you're wrong um, at times and that, you know, your understanding of the world is going to change. Um, and, and that's like one of my biggest pieces of advice. And that, then even when you measure these, these issues, because of course, like the question then is like, well, what water do I drink? Because this I get from patients all right. the time. And my answer is enough. Because like the reality of it is, is most people just aren't consuming enough. And I try to, again, I'm like, and add some salt to it because if you add a quarter teaspoon of sea salt to a liter of water, you get to 25 milliosmals, which is basically the optimal um, osmolality for absorption of that water. So if you drink pure water, like, like reverse osmosis, it actually doesn't hydrate you as well. If you remineralize it, which again gets into like, what's that wisdom of the body? But when you remineralize it, it will increase the absorption rate and your utilization of the water by the body. So I always I just agree. say like... Take every liter of water, add a quarter teaspoon of sea salt, drink that. And, and it's really keeping it simple because like our conversation here just got very intense, very complicated, right into quantum biology, right into the energetics of cells. So you, you have a deeper understanding of why these things are important. But at the end of the day, how do you translate it to patients? And it's like, drink enough water, set a timer on your phone. Like if you don't, like I have a, a rule with pe people either draw it on your water bottle, like the times of the day. And my thing is I make them punish themselves. 
Like if you, if you have like a liter of water bottle and it says drink it by one by 11 AM and you haven't touched that thing and it's 11 AM, like you have 10 minutes to finish that bottle of water. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to drink a liter of water in 10 minutes. Yeah. Not a very comfortable experience. No. Um, and then they learn, they learn to start to drink their water. It's like set these rules for yourself hard and fast. And it's, it's in the idea of goal setting. Like goal setting isn't necessarily about achieving the goal. It's it, to me, it's all about like who you become in trying to achieve the goal, whether you fail or not. It's about like kind of creating those habits and behaviors and understanding that, you know, for some perps, for some people, like depending on the type of practice you have, if you have people that have no sort of self care background, you're going to start with the basics, like just, you know, start drinking water, move your body. Like do some stretches. Um, and then if you see a lot of biohackers and like, you know, then you, you next thing you know, you're, you're into talking about all the things we're not allowed to talk about, like methylene blue and psilocybin and all those kind of things yeah. um, with them. But again, it's like a whole other world of depending on your patient level as to how you're going to interact with that person. But I'd, I'd argue that 90% of your clients and even the ones like I find a lot of people that come into my office and they're, you know, I've, I've watched this special, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm cold plunging, I'm doing these things. But within a few seconds, it's like, what time do you go to bed? How much mm-hmm. water do you drink? How do you move your, and they just fail right away on some of the absolute basics. So I always do a pre-screen of everybody, um, not to let them dictate the, 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 where the, the appointment goes and make sure they get their fundamentals in order first before we even get into some of the 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 speedy stuff or like the the more complicated stuff. Well, the, um, and the I think that's in- sorry, John. The fundamentals is 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 something I want to talk to you about, and I feel like it's a it's a great link between like the 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 past of naturopathic medicine or the past of let's just say medicine in general because I don't even like it's just medicine is good or not good kind of thing. You know, you can fly a different banner, but whatever. Um. To link it to the, so, and we talked about like, you know, these ideas of what's going on with like electrons and like, you know, we're talking about, you know, higher end, you know, fourth dimension of water or whatever. Um, But the thing that, you know, in terms of like a practical implementation of things that link the past and and the future, let's say of, of medicine, what are some of the most important just practices that you think are making your outcomes with patients better, even though they're simpler in some ways, which you alluded to uh, when we were chatting before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like honestly, the, the simplest ones as I've, you know, water, hit on a couple obviously. times, water's obviously one, um, get outside 30 minutes outside a day. I don't care how cold it out, uh, how cold out it is. Um, literally I've told them, I'm like, go get a dog. If you need whatever, whatever your motivator is that you need to get outside do it like get you you're, you're not designed to be a cave just outside like you don't have to be barefoot outside i i don't even outside. get that picky mm-hmm. okay so that's a good yeah start. if if you can go barefoot outside that's better and i mean we live in canada uh you're not doing 30 minutes barefoot outside the dead of winter let's call right. it what it is um right that's not like like yeah frostbite is not the outcome we're looking for here um no but it, it's get outside i always say you know try to touch nature so if you can get inside on natural surfaces, that's better. Um, you know, like if you go for a walk in the park, stick to the grass, don't stick to the path. 
little simple stuff like that um, to try to teach people like some of the basic habits. I ideally try to watch the sunrise and sunset, um, understanding that like we, we have an entire nervous system and this whole setup inside of our bodies for what, what are, I, I mean, I love the words, I'm going to say it, zeitgebers, which is like basically light signals. And like if you're blind, you actually have nerves in your eye that pick up sunrise and sunset regardless of your ability to see. Uh, it's the same, yeah, it's the same cells that actually make up um, reptile skin. And that's so a Jack you have Cruz-ism. These, that's, a, that's a Jack Cruzism. Yeah. And like, and, and I fact checked them because I, again, like as much as I love Jack Cruz, I still want to make sure that I'm not just repeating things that may not be true, but yeah, no, it's, it's, we have these, ner- these little neurons that literally extend from our brain into the back of our eyes designed specifically to pick these things up that then regulate they attach to the areas of the brain that regulate our circadian rhythms and our mm-hmm. circadian rhythms and re- regulate our hormonal balance. So you got people with like bad PMS, you got people with adrenal fatigue, you got people with thyroid problems, you got people with PCOS, you got all of these dysregula- endocrinopathies, these dysregulation issues. And it's like step one. Now, are you going to see a difference in two weeks? No. Very unlikely. Like it's going to take you months because, again, you've you've lived in this world of light pollution, artificial light for so long that that system is is so far away from properly regulated. But as you gain these behaviors, all of a sudden you see like, oh, my energy is really stable through the day. My hormones are balancing out, and so it's it's really bringing people back to like, I don't care where you live. You could live in the heart of the city. You can live like I moved to a farm literally because of my beliefs on all of this um you know humans the biggest thing i find is humans like to pretend we sit up here and the rest of the world is down here or the rest of the ecosystem is down here when in fact it's one flat line Mm. like nature is nature's pretty brutal it it doesn't really nature doesn't have feelings it's 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 not about that and so it's, it's i think it's understanding that part um and then yeah, making sure. So would we you put it. ground? Would you put grounding into this? Like, I know yeah, I, I, I try it. to make. Yeah, I try to make everybody go outside and and touch the earth with their bare skin in some way. And okay. in the winter, like if you can't do it barefoot, even just going up and putting your bare hand on a tree, That's will do I this do. exact same thing. I'm Shin, the weird woman in Shin, the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the tree. I'm like the legitimate tree hugger, um, you know. And the Japanese have studied the hell out of this Shinrin. Uh, what's it called? Shinrin like yoku, uh, Roku. Yeah, yeah, forest bathing. Yeah, I think Ooh. it's Shinrin Roku or Yoku, and it's yeah, forest bathing. And you know, measurable decreases in cortisol. Do you need an ashwagandha supplement? Like, a it might help, but like you also just need to be outside in nature. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's like what we are. We have these, all these neurons and systems designed to read nature. And when you don't expose yourself to nature, they go haywire. It's like the idea of allergy and the um, sterility theory behind allergy. Mm. Eosinophils and basophils are designed to treat parasites, are designed to help manage our, parasi- our parasitic or our hominthic load. And when we don't have enough exposure, we have higher rates of allergy to the point that there was like a great study out of Florida. They found hookworm in a bunch of kids. So they decided to deworm the entire county in this one county in Florida. And lo and behold, within a few years, the allergy rate had gone up 20 fold. Hmm. Why? Because we took worms out of people that weren't symptomatic. 
Like we have all this, all these ideas. It's like we find these things and we label them as bad, but we don't know. It's like, I, I mean, I used to, I taught a course years ago on candida and I kind of laugh at myself for it like, cause I mean, candida can be an issue, but it's also found in pretty much every human all the time. Yeah. It's just an opportunistic parasite. So the presence of, of candida albicans doesn't mean you have a candida issue. Also, if you're vaginally born, you have 7,000 species of bacteria in you. The idea that we blame everything on like one bacteria is, again, this weird scientific hubris. Like We don't know. So for me, I look at it instead, what are you doing to support your biome dietarily? What are you doing by getting outside of nature? Um, so I'm, I'm big on the grounding thing like that. I, I, I do try to get my patients to do grounding. The other one is, is temperature. Get, get yourself uncomfortable temperature-wise. We are not designed to live at 20 degrees centigrade all the time, which is what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're, we're our, and weirdly, our body has all these features designed to accommodate a, adjustments in temperature um, that you can train. Um, and I don't mean you necessarily have to go and try and become Wim Hof. I feel like he's he's missing a few um, pieces there as well as to the, the full understanding. But as far as like heat shock proteins, how it stimulates healing, getting yourself a little uncomfortable can actually be very, very healing. And then the same thing of like exercise and movement. Um, if you own a dog or a cat, watch it get up. What's the first thing it does? It doesn't run for the coffee maker. It stretches. So like the other thing I try to teach patients to do is like stretch a little in the morning, like get up and just take like a few minutes to just sort of warm your body up. And they're like, well, what stretch did I do? I'm like, I don't know what feels like, like start to pay attention to your body and what feels tight and work on that. Cause when you become, and I know you're a fascial practitioner, um, uh, as like doing the, the osteopathy side, it's like you start to realize, you know, where you experience pain and where you exp- is not necessarily where the problem originates. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, you know, you could have really tense fashion in your, in your left hip and it's manifesting as right shoulder pain because that's yeah. where you're feeling the mechanical restriction when you go to move it. But the problem is actually like where if you pay attention where you're tight, not where you're sore, that's when you start to really feel it. So I, I try to get mm-hmm. patients to have like do a body scan. That's the other one. Before you go to bed, easiest way to get yourself to sleep, body scanning. Start at your toes. How do you feel? Work your way up to your, your head or your nose. I always say like toes to nose, do a body scan. Um, and, and that's, it's like those real basic ideas. And when you get those fundamentals in order, it's amazing all the simple, like, well, not even all the simple things you get better, all the complex things you get better. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. So sleep actually, uh, Sleep was one of the reasons I brought up the grounding thing because I saw this thing on a grounding sheet mm-hmm. and and you plug it into your wall or outside if, if you can. And I thought, you know, because one of my big things is if you can optimize sleep, <laughs> like do it. You're you're doing you're you're doing nothing kind of anyway. So like that's why I do mouth taping at night. And if there's any like if you can do a body scan before bed, if there's any sort of I even get people just to even just as a ritual, do a tea before bed or have a bath, like anything you can do simple to to engender a good sleep uh, is great. And I I, I'm going to I'll follow up with you. Maybe I'm going to build my own or like I'm going to make a grounding mat for my for my bed because then I'm getting hopefully seven or eight hours of like time that I'm less exposed to uh, EMFs. 
There's also grounding mats you can have at your desk. And I have some people who work from home and I was like, well, then be barefoot and put your feet on while you're on the computer around junk electricity, put your feet on the grounding mat. Mm -hmm. And they've noticed a difference in their energy input and output. Like they don't get as exhausted and stuff like that too. It's very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Magnetics as well too. There's magnetic mats and magnetic sheets you can put in beds if you don't have great access to the outdoors for setting up a grounding uh, mat. Um, and there's even things you can buy that go, that will ground your outlets to, to stop the release yeah. of dirty electricity. Yeah. Um, I worked in a clinic with a medical, a medical doctor years ago and he had a, he had a machine that would basically measure all the dirty electricity cool. and we, yeah, we played around with it with like the microwave was one. Cause we had a microwave in our, in our, um, staff room that was funny cause he and I never used it, but it was just there cool. for the other staff cause they wanted it. And, uh, so one day we just put a pot of water or like a cup of water in it and, you know, measured it before. And then the just nasty electromagnetic radiation that flew off of it. As soon as we turned on, we like, we both kind of looked at each other, turned off the microwave and like left the room. Cause we are like, that just, I don't like the idea of that. Um, because Ooh. we understood the impact it's at. Like I've had, I had one patient, he had to, they put a, a cell tower and this is pre 5g but he lived in the penthouse uh, condo and he ended up uh, trading down because they put a cell tower on his condo building and he started developing migraines all the time. And the first time I've heard that. No, what tipped me off to it was he went away on a vacation and he was like, and his migraines went away and I was like, Oh, it's your building. He's like, what? I thought it was, you know, I was like, yeah, no, it's, it's, and then I asked, I asked him the question, any new cell towers? He's like, actually, I'm pretty sure that just happened within the last year. I'm like, and let me guess the migraines in the last year. He's like, yep. So weirdly he traded, he was friends with the super on the first floor. They traded apartments for a week. He went a week with no migraines, went back to his condo up in the penthouse migraines. And so he ended up, he liked the, the building. So he ended up selling his penthouse, getting a fourth floor one and his migraines were gone and he was good to carry on. And that was kind of the end of our, our relationship. Cause he was there for the migraines. Um, uh-huh. Oh, but it's a, it's a lot of time those like uncomfortable and you know no amount of fever few and magnesium and b1 yeah yeah the standard functional medicine yeah, yeah. approach is is gonna work right mm-hmm. again i see i sometimes see miracles with fever few b1 and magnesium why can't i quote it by you know by heart because it can work but again that's like that's a that's like the natural version of of aspirin that you give in between until you figure out the cause Right. And so that's the, that's that whole, whole approach. It's like the thyroid thing. Like, you know, people, okay, I got PFO. Now I, I suspect I've had PFOA damage because I was like a huge, you know, the world's biggest consumer of Teflon products, but uh, for Skolin from Coleus for Scoli uh, seems to actually seem to reverse some of the effect of this. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there's ways that again, you can kind of apply, you know, the herbal medicine side, the supplement side, but again, it's like the functional medicine side of it is is under like you have to understand that cause so that mm-hmm. then even if you're you because like, I'd be a complete hypocrite if I said I don't use supplements. I mean, I, I do all the time because we also live in the Google generation. People expect a pill that's going to help them feel better. And the reality of it is, is, is not everybody's going to make a ton of these changes mm-hmm. um, or, or, or are capable of it. Right. You know, they're like they come to see and they're four years from retirement. They're not walking away from their toxic job at right. that point, giving up yeah, their yeah. 
in, they're they're gonna be like, hey, you gotta work I with realize, what they got. They're like, I realize this is my problem. Can you help yeah. me stay as healthy as I can for the next four years? And then yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna continue with you for four years. And then in four years, when I quit my like when I retire, then I'm going to really make the changes that I need to do to really attain my health. But they're like, I'm kind of this invested. And and you understand like that's it's practical medicine, right? Like, and you know we can get very you know like oh you got to do grounding and cold plunging and walk barefoot in nature and hug trees and you know eat my my other one is variety you know eating yeah. a uh, like a larger and larger and larger variety of of products both animal and plant um, and and I don't think we eat enough of that like I, I feel like we eat too much muscle not enough organ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got a lot of, a lot of very, and as a reformed vegetarian, that's a, a weird <laughs> one for me, but, um, you know, but I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we're really missing, um, in, in the health sphere that way too. Like even in diet, you know, ask people to name right down. That's one of the tools I do is try one, one new food a week. That's 52 a year. And they kind of look at you mm-hmm. weird. Like by, by week 50, you're really struggling to find something new. Um, if you actually were to write down on a piece of paper, most people do not exceed 20 different fruits and vegetables. Um, where our ancestors, you know, various studies show different numbers, but uh, it was around 200 because we had to eat seasonally. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I try to, that's my other thing is when in doubt, try to eat or, um, foods in season as best you can which really pisses off people who want their strawberry smoothie in February, but that's Mm -hmm. not a time you're going to naturally see a lot of strawberries. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a time you're going to eat a lot of, you know, like the the winter was a time for like roots. Beets and cabbages. Beets and cabbages. My Polish ancestry shines in this season. (laughs) Right. And, but again, why, why was that your ancestry, right? Because of the cold climate and that's what, that's what you had because that's what survived. And then beet soup today. (laughs) Right. Why does, and why do I just made a giant coleslaw uh, and then washed potatoes actually right before I was on the, the, again, the potatoes I grew this summer, I was, I pulled out of our cold cellar and, and was washing them in the sink before I jumped on here. Um, And, and yeah, you look at all that, like, why do you guys have, do you guys have hostas? in your yard no mm-hmm. okay wow that's like the first time i've asked that question people said no um pretty much everybody has a hosta do you know why no Uh-oh. first greens in the spring uh-huh. it's in the asparagus family it's really it tastes kind of like the love child between asparagus and bok choy and those little spikes when they come up in the spring are edible Whoa. Maybe, and, maybe and, I do, and I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's like mm-hmm. one of those areas again where like we have all these foods around. Like if you walk through, I mean, I mean, I put myself through school landscaping, and when you walk through a garden and you start to realize, like, you know, it's like, oh, what do you got there? Yarrow, oh, Achillea millifolium, medicine. You got your echinacea, medicine. You got your hosta, food. You got your uh, astilbe, which is Simicifuga racemosa, which is your black uh, cohosh. You got like all of a sudden you can walk through somebody's like uh, flower garden and you realize that why do we cultivate most of those flowers? It's a holdover from our ancestry where we cult- we weren't cultivating pretty flowers. We were cultivating medicine hmm. and then we selected them to be prettier. 
Mm-hmm. Like then it became a thing that you, you, you had the prettier medicine yard, you had the prettier food yard. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, most of the foods we were growing were, were, were medicine foods. And, you know, and this was, it, it's incorporating those things where like, we have this delineation where we call things like, oh, this is a herb for medicine and this is a, a food. You know, and I, I kind of chuckle about this because, you know, you can buy lion's mane capsules at 500 milligrams. And then I walk across the street to the health food store and we've got a great mushroom grower in my area. And I buy big lion's mane mushrooms, you know, eat a pound of lion's mane with dinner. And I'm going like, okay, I, I can take 500 milligrams of the capsule or I can sit down and eat 454 grams of lion's mane in a sitting. And, you know, we, we might be worried of patients that are worried of taking like, can I take four lion's mane at once? I'm like, I don't know. I just, eight 400 grams of it so probably um and and we just have this weird delineation and it's it's kind of what you were alluding to a little bit before there of like you know medicine like i always joke i don't believe in naturopaths um and really because to me this whole idea that we have like the pharmaceutical doctors we have the herbal doctors we have it's to me it should all just be all medicine and all doctors should be focused on Mm. you know looking at what's in the best interest of the patient like I always say, I'm not anti. I'm not anti pharmacy. I'm not anti surgery. Like one of my newest areas I'm looking into is nicotine. Like it's like the N word of medicine, um, except that it's a very, very powerful nootropic, a very, very powerful drug in neurology. And you know, I've had I've had a few patients where I actually counsel them to go get like nicotine gum, of all things, and use. But you chew it for like a, like ten seconds and spit it out. And they're just microdosing themselves on nicotine and the impact it has on their system. Um, and weirdly, many times their anxiety is wild. Too much is a problem, but too little is also a problem. It's so mm-hmm. funny. One of my sisters, she was a smoker back in the day. And only one, I remember he was our physics professor, Professor Mr. Sangalizzi was ambidextrous too, because he could write on the board and then switch hands and just seamlessly continue. And he taught both she and I. So she asked me if I had him in my physics class. And I was like, yeah, she was like, do you know, he's the only teacher that recognized when I was starting to have like a difficult time focusing in class, he would literally just go outside and have a smoke and come back because she, he knew she was super smart, but she would lose her focus if she didn't have a little fix. And he's like, just go outside. Yep. And he'd let her come back. And then she was like back on track. And she was like a straight A student, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's one of these things like, and start looking around at where you find nicotine in plants. It's not just tobacco. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. We have all these, all these nicotine receptors in our system specifically for focus. And you could make an argument probably, although I, I don't know how to get this one approved of probably mm-hmm. nicotine, nicotine gum for ADHD kids. I know it's, it's like, and it's, like I said, it's like the N word people are like, cause as soon as you say nicotine, they assume like, you're like smoking's terrible. I'm like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say smoking. Like, mm. yeah, you're right. Yeah. You those know? are being conflated. Those two things right. are being conflated. Right. And that's like, that's the area that you have to, to watch out for. But yeah, no, there's, there's some really cool research coming out on, on nicotine um you know you start to look at the benefits of nicotine and caffeine and all these things and i was just gonna say it's like coffee and caffeine because i personally i dislike the conflation of coffee and caffeine coffee is a stomach irritant which causes a whole bunch of problems it's not necessarily the cap yes it contains caffeine but does caffeine define coffee no it's the same reason why i do coffee enemas people might not be able to ingest it but if you can do a coffee enema 
those caffeic compulmonic acids interact with the liver and pro- cause positive benefits administered from a different area. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you, and then the weird one is you look at uh, coffee as being neuroprotective against Parkinson's. Right. So it's like, what's, at, you know, at what point is going on there? Yeah. And you got to sit there and go, oh, this is really uncomfortable because like it's, I kind of mentioned it and I, as I sit hmm. here and you know, you don't recommend coffee. I drink coffee. Um, I'm like a big, I, I again depending on gut tolerance or tea like I'm a big tea and coffee guy um mm-hmm. and I I never grew up drinking coffee I I had to teach myself because of the research I was doing on Parkinson's and I've got a family history of it so like my whole goal is to die of something else um and not Parkinson's and so that's why I took to and trained myself to drink coffee um and I've become a huge coffee snob because of it uh, but it's it's for the neuroprotective effects, and I, I do mm-hmm. a lot. Of, I do a lot of neurology, hence my like you know my intrigue and interest in nicotine. And you know, like the, the, my new my new issue is if we could get uh, what I'd love to see Canada bring in is is buccal troches um, because you can get these in the states you can buy them and they're um, transdermal buccal troch, so it's like something you stick up in your gums. And basically, it delivers the the you know whatever substance it is directly to your brain. Um, yeah, and so th- they've got a whole bunch down in the states where you can buy them. They're like nicotine, CBD, caffeine, and methylene blue all mixed together, um, which is again a whole other area when it look when you look at um, antioxidants. And, and that's another one. Everyone's like antioxidant, antioxidant, antioxidant. Pro-oxidants um, and oxidative radicals are also messaging molecules. Mm-hmm. So I'm always cautionary on that, that don't overuse antioxidants. Yeah, like, yeah. You're, like you're helping this person because you may actually be interfering in cellular signaling. It's, 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 it's really kind of understanding it at a deeper level. And, and that's like, uh, wait, pro-oxidants are good? And it's like, well, like they are. Well, it's, it's the same Taoist. thing as like inflammation. Infl- inflammation yeah, has exactly. a purpose. Inflammation has a purpose, but when it becomes chronic and un- unchallenged, and then it becomes like a this. problem. And it's just about like, having the balance and allowing your body to do what it needs to do when it needs to do it and then come back into a state of balance. It's really what we all, I think, lose sight over. And it's hard to exactly. And it's hard, hard to, yeah. Right, like the benefit of a fever, right? A fever is right. super beneficial unless it's too high and you're going to yeah. get the it's going to get febrile seizures and you're going to have brain yeah. damage from seizures and you run into these issues. It's like, and at that point, yeah, you know what? You can use uh, a tepid bath to try to bring the fever down and you can use this to try to bring the fever down and, and you can do all these things. And guess what? And if none of it works, a massive dose of white willow bark for the uh, salicylic acid or God forbid ibuprofen. Oh, wow. Like, you know, it's right. like the... Yeah. To, to, to recommend a pharmaceutical product as a naturopath is like sacrilege, but there, there's a time and a place for the use of these things. If you understand I mean, like proper that's why use. Was, yeah, that's what I was saying. Doesn't, I don't care if you're a naturopath or a medical doctor, like good medicine is good medicine. If, it, if it's effective for the person and it's safe, I mean, sign me up, you know? Right. John, you said recently things have gotten simpler for you in practice, uh, or is it maybe just like a, 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 deeper, better, more pragmatic understanding of the, uh, like implementing the, the mm-hmm. uh, foundational stuff. 
you said it's got it's made it's made your results better and you, and like everything's better getting simpler can can you expand any more on on that i just find that uh, a natural progression at least for me and i want to hear what it's like uh for you me too yeah say well uh, yeah i used to i mean i used to prescribe boatloads of supplements and you know what's the latest and greatest and you know all oh, this new research and what's hot and mm-hmm. you know get get a little caught up in the evidence-based medicine world and, and you start to realize how poor much of the evidence actually is <laughs> um and and thinking outside just these kind of like biomarkers and, and like what do you, you know you really got to understand what biomarkers mean right mm-hmm. is the big one like like collect like cholesterol is a perfect example of that of you know people get so hung up on cholesterol like if i have a st- patient who's had a stroke i want their cholesterol to go up sacrilegious i know but 25 percent of your brain is cholesterol how is it fixing itself with that raw material and then i give them a super high cholesterol diet and watch them recover and so when we look at these things like it's it's getting back to fundamentals is really like you can't if you don't know your alphabet you can't write poetry like William Shakespeare didn't start with just writing sonnets, right? Like he he started with the basic, you know, the the basics of the alphabet. And then you start the basics of understanding vocabulary. And then, you know, you start the basic rules of the English language. Like I and stuff that I literally teaching my kids to learn to read, these are things that we were never taught in school. Like, did you do you know why the word live and the word live are spelt the same? but said differently. Did you know English words are not allowed to end in the letter V, I, or J? What? Yeah, that's why we add an E on the end. These are things that like no one, right, yeah, you're like, uh, and then you think about it, and you're like, oh yeah, that's Ooh. right. And I think U is the other one. Um, so we add these silent E's to the end, and that's why live and live are the same. And we've got all these like weird rules in the English language. So it's the same idea yeah. of, you have to learn these. Like once you learn these under underlying fundamental rules of how usually gives, not English. Well, that's not an English word. <laughs> so this is like that's the trouble. Is like yeah, you'll you, you'll pick at all these words, and it's it's foreign words that English people say. Right. Right. And you're like, uh, I oh, I, you, you don't you don't you don't think I did the exact same thing? <laughs> I, of course I did. I'm a nice, I'm a rebel. Nice try, like, Dave. Nice try. Yeah. Give me a rule, and I'm gonna break it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so really what I got down to though is is it's along those lines of thinking. It was like I was, you know, you, patients want, doctors want to get right into the sonnet. And for me, I was like, no, I'm going to like, I'm going to basically sit down in front of my patient and say, recite for me the alphabet. And they're like, okay, cool. And then I you know, work on vocabulary with them using this obviously as an analogy. But it's like what I've, what I've realized is when you, when you provide the human system with the basic fundamentals that it needs to heal itself, it heals itself. Like that's true naturopathy. It's like get, basically like as a doctor, get out of the way as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, and, and you know, there's, there's times where like there's intoxicants that are in the way. So you got to mess around with the person to help remove an intoxicant that's bothering them. Like that's that whole, you know, oh, I suspect they've had too much exposure to PFOA. I'm now going to come in with some coleus for scoli and I'm going to get for scolin into them to try to undo the genetic change that the PFOA had on this person. And you have to understand that, but it's like, but I don't really want to do a ton to shift, to try to force their body in a, in a specific direction. Really. It's like, what I want to do is 
like it, like incubate them like you want to be the like you want to oh, be the man you've got reverence for the for the healing power of the body it's and all the i feel like all the best doctors this, do like that burrell says what does he michelle do you remember what he says he says the the body is always waiting for the therapist to go away yeah <laughs> exactly that's and that's what i learned and it was funny like little things like that and we have this and we're trained in it that we're doctors and we have to heal and we're going to, and it's and like, it's going to be our ego. Like our ego is going to mm -hmm. fix this person and we're going to take credit for it. And like, anytime my patients come in and they're like, thank you, you, you helped me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Thank you for making me look good. And they're like, what? Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I didn't like, I'll, I just sat across from you and talked like, yeah, I like, I looked at your ear and I checked this and I checked that and I figured out what you had. But I just sat across from you and talked, and then you went home and you integrated these things. I'm going to help you integrate it, but I'm like, I I look like like I don't look effective unless you do the work. So this is like my whole like you got to coach people into like teaching them how to do the work, and and really coaching them on how to do the fundamentals because like you know even if you get a great result with a supplement, how long is that person going to stay on it? How long is it going to work? If you're just masked. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. If you're just masking a symptom by, you know, upregulating some other pathway, the body's going to figure that out and compensate because that's not what it wants. And so it's it's exactly like as you said, the vis medicatrix naturae, right? The healing power of nature um, to be like hyper cliche, and and it is. And so that's when I say it's like breaking it down to the fundamentals. Like the like the course that I'm dropping is is really about that, and how to what i'm trying to basically teach doctors how to do is quickly assess patient patients from like a basic six fundamentals like looking at intoxication physical trauma emotional trauma nutrition hydration and lifestyle mm -hmm. and then prioritizing where the majority of their disease is coming from in those areas and then triaging a, a treatment plan based on correcting those areas Ooh, sounds mm -hmm. good to me and this is right? what like, your qualified pre-qualified CE course is about to help with naturopaths and wellness professionals. That's what the basis of this is. Yeah. It's, it's, that's Sign why I call it like the funk. That's why I call it functional medicine practice blueprint because it's, it's like, I can't to, to do like to try to teach somebody like all the integration of functional medicine is, is near impossible. I mean, that's like a, I I've the number of courses and hours I've taken of CE credits. Um, in order, you know, I've, I think I handed in once 220 hours, um, in one of my CE reporting cycles. You're I'm a, a dork. I love, I love this. This is all I, it's all I spend my time doing. But again, like when you do that kind of stuff, it's, you, you still look at it and you go like, I can't teach all of that, but what I yeah. can teach is how do you simply integrate this stuff? with people mm -hmm. like we want to get very very complicated and what i actually try to teach people is like how do you break it down into a very simple algorithm like system so you can stay individualized you can stay true to the vis metacatrix naturae like you can you can stay true to like what you really want to do fundamental medicine and 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 but that's why i call it that like that's why i prefer the term fundamental medicine but i figured if i named my course that no one would understand what the hell i was talking about so it's hence functional medicine practice blueprint but it's really like foundational medicine like teach people to identify the breakdown and like like what's what's missing in the foundation like if you don't have a good foundation you can't build that house right and so it's like, you, you, know you can build the most beautiful structure as long as you have a sound foundation yeah
Exactly. I do use that analogy a lot. I was like, you don't buy, you don't build the 15th floor of a condo. You dig, you dig and you pour some serious concrete, like first step one. And then. Right. <laughs> John, where do we, where do we go to find out more about that? Cause I think, yeah. like, I, I think it's a good time to wrap up. Cause that's like the essence, you, what you just said there is basically the essence of what I was hoping we'd, we'd start and like get across right. with the details. Where do people yeah. go for the next step? For, for checking out this uh, functional medicine wellness uh, or literally, functional medicine well, up. Like this blueprint. Yeah, yeah um, up after well, this. people includes people includes uh, me <laughs> and me. <Yeah. laughs> well, my 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 complicated uh, link is like my my new social media handle because I'm, I'm I don't really like social media, but my wife's encouraged me that I should probably get on it. So right. uh, John Beattie.nd is my Instagram. Um, hey, yeah, I also have. And and if you're more interested in like my less professional side, I'm also JTBND, which is like my initials with ND at the end is my other Instagram. That's like, if you want to see my cows, that's the one you got to go to. Although my cows, I think do make, uh, do make cameos in my, in my professional side too. I want to um, see your cows. Yeah. They're lovely. I love them. Um, but uh, yeah. And so there's links, there's links through that. Uh, and um, I'm pretty sure my link my website's been updated to have this. If not, I'm going to jump on and search and, and update it today. Uh, but uh, bdnaturopathic.com uh, for the course. And it just links to my Kajabi. And it's all, uh, Kano's pre-approved it for, uh, I think, five hours. And then uh, it works differently in BC, Alberta, and areas like that. Like They don't have pre-approval unless you're, I think, pharmaceutical, uh, unless it's like pharmacy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But yeah, it qualifies in uh, category, every category one. Uh, yeah, it's cat. Uh, what's that? Category A in Ontario. Okay, sorry, category A. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's category A. Yeah, it's category A Ontario. Everywhere else, it's like it qualifies because I got it. Yeah, that's the place. I'm in. That's the I'm one. literally yeah, signing yeah. up at the as <laughs> yeah. we fit after we stop recording. Here's my money, John. Let's let's yeah, get yeah. let's because so, here's yeah. Oh, go on. No, 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 because everything you've mentioned, bar pre-talk during this talk, and like I was even saying at some point too, it all sounds fantastic, but it, you still need to be able to apply it practically and articulate it to clients and put the pieces of the puzzle together and understand where to start. And I feel like sometimes as a naturopath, I still get into the trap of here's a part, here's a pharmaceutical, uh, not a pharmaceutical, here's a nutraceutical, here's an antiparasitic protocol. A lot of people are coming to us really like congested though. So I do believe that what I'm giving is merit. There's merit behind it, but I still want to be able to find the language and the ability to get people to trust this other part of the process more and invest in that part of the process. Cause I find that's the hardest thing sometimes. And it's important to do like, I, like, I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's like, you, you, like we exist a bunch of naturopaths talking and we can get really into that side of it. Um, but at the end of the day, like I actually had got off the phone with a patient today and She'd seen a naturopath years ago, didn't really get anywhere and wasn't really that happy or, and was very skeptical of naturopathy. And I guess more than one friend had mentioned they needed to come see me. And so we started working and, but it was solving her initial problem, which was very kind of like, and I realized who I was dealing with. So it was very supplement focused, not as intensive, um, got my buy-in with her. And so like, that's the thing where you like in, in, yeah. I mean, we're the quacks of the in you know of the medical community like there's naturopathy um you know 
And, and I don't mean that in that naturopathism. Like I believe medical doctors can practice naturopathy. I kind of think of naturopathy as more of like medicine done right, hmm. where you're getting at that fundamental medicine. Um, but you know, when you, when you do that stuff, it really kind of takes away from the industry without getting too political. Sick people make the medical industry a lot of money. Yeah. And so, you know, us like my, again, like I, my, I strive for me, perfect clinical success is I have an empty patient list. Like, like there's, there's nobody left to see. We don't have any sick people and I got to go get a new job. And that's like, like my success as a naturopath is putting myself out of work. And I think that kind of throws people off. Um, but that's my, like, that's my goal for like, you know, society is that we return to working together to kind of create a healthy way to live. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that much of the quote unquote progress we've made and a lot of the, the tools we've made to simplify our lives have, have actually necessarily done that. They've just changed our problems um, yeah. a lot of the time. You know, it's like, so anyway, yeah. So yeah, functional medicine practice blueprint. I'm sure if you just look it up, you'll, you'll stumble across it. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's my, my attempt at trying to teach people really like how to, how to integrate things. And, and there's sections devoted in there to like coaching your client. So like literal basic systems of how to break it down. And I tried to make it accessible so that most of them, my original goal was to try to make each session 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. As you can tell, I'm a little long-winded. So most of them ended up about 40 because I just like to hear myself talk. And I like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a natural questioner. So I need uh, personally to have things explained in a way um, that I understand them in order for me to do mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Like, in fact, if you tell me to do something, cause it's a rule, the very chances are that I'm going to try to find every loophole and way around it um, just out of my very nature. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I like listening to you talk and I appreciate what you have to say. Even if you feel like you're long winded, you always give very intelligent, incredible information. And yes, it can get heady. And yes, we can talk Jack Cruz. And yes, we can talk quantum this and blah, blah, blah. But you always bring it back into a place where there's a really good metaphor or there's an analogy or you bring it into a, into a way that's tangible for not just our listeners to be able to appreciate whether they're, uh, whether they're just the common person and just the general public where they are not to pass. I feel like you provide great information, which is why I've literally started filling out all my information for your course as we speak. <laughs> and now I just have to put my credit card information. In oh, thank you. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, well, that's what I, and that's what I try to do. Cause it's, um, it, you know, when you get into like, if you have a deeper knowledge of, you know, say like mm -hmm. quantum biology and, and some of these systems, then, yeah, you have to learn how to communicate that to patients in yeah. a way that's practical. And, you know, and then of course you become a lifelong student. So I've had to learn a lot about engines because you can use cars very easily to explain uh, a lot of biological systems. Hmm. Um, you know, you, you use what you know and, and things that you share in common with your audience. And that's like an easy way to connect with your patient, to earn trust, so they're going to listen to you and do those things that you're asking them to do. Because you're, you're, if you're doing medicine well, you're, you're asking them to do the hard stuff. Everybody wants the easy button. Everybody mm -hmm. wants that easy answer. 
And the, the toughest part, I think, of, of being a functional medicine practitioner, doing foundational medicine is you're asking people not like, like to do it the hard way, really. And yep. my whole approach, though, is, you know, our, our phrase in our household, and I think I said this last time I was on, is, is choose your hard. Mm-hmm. Like life is hard. You're going to get it. It's, it's going to be hard one way or another. And, you know, you, you may not want to do all that hard work at first, but then, then you got to go through like, you know, I had a patient lament to me. She's like, I should have listened because, you know, they're in hospital right now awaiting surgery um, because they're just really weren't compliant over a long time um, with a concern they had. And now it's injured them to the point that surgery is, is probably their best option. Mm-hmm. And they recognize that they also probably could have avoided it had they just listened um, because we figured out what was causing the problem. And then they just, you know, old habits die hard. And, uh, and you get into the, the coaching around um, self injurious behavior, but uh, yeah. Well, we always love having you on the show. You're a plethora of knowledge. Thank you for coming on today and piecing a bunch you're, of these awesome, interesting bits of information and just, grounding us back into foundational medicine with all of that. See the pun? See how I put that in there? I, I saw that. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to have to, di- I, I'm going to have to put together like a, a deep dive for you guys. And we can um, focus maybe on like grounding and electricity in a future, at a future chat and, and really dive, dive into that one if you guys want. Cause I'm in that's uh yeah, it's been since about, well, April of this year, that's been my, um, my deep dive of trying trying to put together, um, trying to synthesize together the work of Jack Cruz, Gerald Pollack, um, you know, Dr. Emoto, you know, some of the grounding work, um, and and really synthesizing all that together to the point that I even do electro gardening now, um, and got about a twenty percent increase in the yield of my vegetables. So, you know, well, he wants to go deeper, but I'm still coming up for air. Um, so <laughs> we're we're gonna save. leave it at this and then we'll re <laughs> yeah. we'll re we'll reconvene for uh electricity and grounding talk at a at a later date because I think this was already a lot for our probably our patients yes. and our and our yeah. listeners to chew on, but uh it's yeah. awesome. And for all those naturopaths at home who want yeah. to understand how to bring that foundational medicine back into their practice in a more comprehensive way, do go check out Jonathan Beatty and the links. Honestly, his Instagram account, it was right there in the bio. The link was easy. I'm literally just gonna press enter and then I'm good to go. So for naturopaths who want to understand how to integrate it better, it's it's not that hard to find that information through his uh Instagram account. So I suggest yeah. it. Thanks so much, John. Oh, thanks for having me again, guys. Always a pleasure. <laughs>